Good morning. What is up, best friends? It is May 23rd, a Thursday. So it's not Frandria Friday, but I'm here with Andrea Renee and it's Frandria Thursday, I guess. Yes, it is. That's that's what's good. That is what's good, right, Andrea? That is what's good. How uh, are you doing, Fran? You know I'm tired. She's <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> she's trying to hold it. She's fine. Although she's going to be traveling soon, so I'm sure she's had a lot on her plate. Leaving um, in mere hours. But she oh, hopped. Where are you going? I'm going to London. It's remember? in the housekeeping. Oh. We're going to get to that, Kevin. I don't read or Hold your horses. Shit in the show. You don't have to because I we have it covered for you. Uh, but Andrea hopped into my stream last night around 11 p.m. Was it or something? Yeah, I was editing uh, the the show for What's Good this week. I was waiting for a file to render. I was like, while well, I'm sitting here, I got the notification because yeah. uh, we follow you on, on Twitch, and I was like, oh, let me pop in there and see what's going on on Fran's channel. I appreciate you, you got you a professional by. little operation going on. Thank there. you. It wasn't bad, but uh, yeah. I got a little nervous. That was the first time I've seen, I think, What's Good and Andrea in there. But uh, we were playing Destiny 2 because the grind is on. I'm going to shoot for the June 4th uh, World's First Raid with the Destiny Community Podcast team. And I am not max level. <clears throat> so I've got my... Oh, it's only got two weeks. Anyway. Good luck. This isn't a Destiny show. Destiny but it sucks. is a show that tells you about all the nerdy video game news you need to know about. It, of course, is called Kind of Funny Games Daily. If you don't know already, you can catch us live right here on Twitch TV slash Kind of Funny Games. If you can't catch it live, of course, you can find us over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and podcast services around the globe. Well done. Um, let's see what else. Oh yeah, if uh, we get anything wrong during the show, you can actually tell us live at kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Please keep it limited to you're wrong. It's a lot to read at the end of the show, as I often say. We don't like to just stare at a giant spreadsheet of um, general chatter. But uh, anyway, please let us know if we get anything wrong. Let's see. Remember as well to be a part of the show. You can actually head over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members are above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free on today's show. Andrea, not a not a bad amount of news. There's a new gaming handheld console coming out. It's in black, black and white. Yeah, I'll tell you more about that in a second. Wait, black and white. Yep. Just just wait for it. Uh, Division two raid. Ubisoft has come back with its State of the Game update. I want to talk to Andrew about that because we play a lot of Division 2. Uh, there's a Neo 2 alpha test coming soon and a lot more news beyond that. So stay tuned for that in just a second. But first, some housekeeping. Andrea, tell yes, me, friend. what is going on in uh, uh, London? So the What's Good crew, myself, Britt, and Steimer are all going to be at the Marquee in Westminster. The Marquee Oi, of Westminster, yes. Um, on Sunday, May 26th from 3 to 6 p.m. or from 1500 to 1800 um, in the afternoon. <laughs> no. I try to get that European time going. Um, and we would love for you to come by. Um, as I mentioned on the show with Gary yesterday, we've had uh, a lot of best friends reach out and say that there's going to be a, a whole league of best friends that are coming. So if you guys want to come by and say hello, uh, that would be super fun. League of Best Friends. I feel like that's like a cinematic it's got cinematic <laughs> potential. The League of Best Friends. We should we should do that. Um and if they want to follow you, Andrew Renee, also Facebook.com slash What's Good Games for updates. Yes. So we have the exact address um, on our Facebook events page. And if you are planning to attend, we would love it if you would RSVP so we get a general head count of who's all going to be there. That would help us out a lot. And of course, you can follow What's Good underscore Games or myself at Andrea Renee for those details. If you forget, maybe you're out jogging right now. Maybe mm -hmm. you're driving to work. Yeah. Do it later. Yeah. Don't neither jogging nor driving. Don't don't read tweets. Not a good idea. Pull over to the side uh, of the road. 
Want to thank, of course, our Patreon producers for today for helping make the show possible. Blackjack, Tombach, and Mohammed. Mohammed, thank you very much. And also, today we're brought to you by Quip and Third Love, but I'll tell you more about that later. Kevin, was there any other housekeeping? The boys, Greg and Tim, are uh, in Orlando. I think they're just done with the major meetups, but they're still there for the like today, right? Kevin's doing. I believe so. I think they're coming back tomorrow. But if you head to Greg's feed, his, either his Twitter or his Instagram, you can see some photos from the meetup last night. Looks like a, an amazing turnout. That's awesome. Uh, a ton of best friends showed up to say hi to Greg and Tim in Florida. Orlando brought it. Uh, I already said we're brought to you by Quip and Third Love, but I'll tell you about that later. Just making sure I said that. But for now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today, Kevin. A baker's dozen. I'm tired. Yep. See, now he's the one that's tired. I it came out of nowhere. Tired. I wasn't even tired. I passed it on to you while I, I do the show. Well. All right. First up. Andrea, you saw this Playdate? A new black and white handheld will cost you about 149 bucks. That's the short summary. Do you want to, have you caught up on this story yet? So I saw this making the rounds yesterday after the show, um, after KFGD yesterday um, went off the air. And I was looking at it going, hmm, <coughs> but why? Question yeah. mark. Who's this one for? <laughs> Very limited edition run, but let, let's uh, get the details here from John Fingus over at uh, Engadget. I thought I'd pull it from some hardware experts since it is, um, hardware? you know, in hardware. I also also think I, I said experts, and I also just said alpha. No one was going to call you on anyway, it. Anyway, I'm going to call myself on all my <laughs> mistakes today. So the story goes like this. Veteran software developer Panic, which is best known for writing Transmit and publishing Firewatch, has unveiled a handheld game system called Playdate. It aims to break the rules of game consoles. Most conspicuously, it has a hand crank on it. Uh, you'll have to treat your system like a fishing rod to play some titles. This comes again from Engadget, uh, who says it looks silly, but Panic is clearly betting on that added whimsy to help it stand out. And it sure does. It actually looks really cool. It's like this sort of Game Boy-esque kind of simple feel. Yeah, Kevin's showing on the show. Thanks for blowing up the GIF, actually. That's perfect. But, um, yeah, it kind of looks like a small Game Boy. It's got this little fold-out crank on the side. It's all, uh, I thought it was glossy yellow. But anyway, uh, it has a black and white screen as well, so maybe also hearkening to that Game Boy style. And uh, the game delivery model is also the big noteworthy part. The titles are actually secret, and you're going to get 12 games strung out over three months, so about 12 weeks. So one game per week, and Panic wants to keep the game lineup secret uh, beyond this first title they've shown right there, which was Kranken's Time Travel Adventure. And so what it's doing, it's just showing you're using the crank to actually move through the world. So... Um, that was most of it. The machine won't ship until early 2020. They said it will cost about 149 uh, with all the games of season one included, and supplies will be, quote, very limited, is what it's Panic so said. So tiny, though. Is it? Like, I, yeah, didn't, no, so I didn't see comparisons. Scroll down a bit, Kevin. So it's really tiny. It keeps growing. Oh, see yeah, the girl, I didn't see, see the that girl holding it? That looks like a it's, potato chip with a crank on the side. It's smaller than my iPhone XS. Could we, could we yeah, agree? but what's not, though? No, you have the XS. That's not Yeah, I know, but like when you're talking about playing a yeah, video game. it looks game, like it's half the size like, of an XS. This is dumb, right? We can all agree with that. Yes, no. okay, thank, thank you. you. No, I don't think it's you dumb. You don't think it's dumb? I think it's dumb. It's dumb. It's a novelty collector's item. It's got a little crank on the side. 
dumb hipsters that want to get like cool, yes, yes, Kevin, stuff, yes, hipsters. Like, yeah. Okay, let's try to see the glasses half full here. Okay, it go is for it, friend. Trying yeah. to sell just, me. I don't think it's worth 150 bucks. Heck no. So if you want to talk about that, I'm not gonna. I realize it is 12 games, and so I want to start with that point at least, which is. No, we 12 always... games? Did you see this this game that they were showing us? Is this a game? What yeah, is this you crank thing? it. It seems like you crank it back and forth to make him move. Kevin, like... do you crank it back is and that, forth? Is that a game? Is that a game? Would you? Huh? Are you doing anything besides just cranking the crank? I, yeah, I don't think it's a game. I think it's like a, a movie, essentially, that you get to It's a movie? Through. It's like, do you remember those viewfinders you used to hold up to your face and you would like crank it and it would like move? It's basically like it's a glorified version of It's gonna be like a Charlie Chaplin game, basically, is what you're telling me? <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to point out was actually, to be fair, we always talk about any platform is very oft defined by the games that are on it. We don't really know what the games are like, if they're very complicated or not. So it's really hard to judge the true worth of it because we don't know what these 12 games, they're weekly games. What I like about it is that I actually like the little crank on the side and that it was a little bit of a Nintendo move. It's very tiny. Look at how small it is. It looks, it's, to, it's to me, by the way, it cute. looks about uh, maybe 60% the size of an X, uh, or a XS iPhone or something like that. Whatever the case, I'm just trying to say, I don't know who it's for or where this came from and what investors got all Who is funding about this? It. After reading the story about the death of Ouya yesterday <laughs> and knowing that that company spent over $30 million wasted uh, watching that thing swirl down the drain, how does somebody take something like this and go, we should fund and invest in this? I just yeah. don't understand it, Fran. I agree with you there. And by the way, outside the crank, and even then you could probably argue that, I wonder if on Switch you could do this stuff with the gyro. I don't know if it could pick up on it that minutely. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, like why not just release these games and color and so it is more why of a Why not just buy item. a Game Boy if you are so nostalgic for a black and white exactly. gaming experience that has a massive library of games that you can play? Yeah. But Yesterday uh, we were discussing- It's getting press, so that worked. And it's very limited supply. What were you discussing, if, Kevin? Oh, just uh, oh, sorry. no. It's okay. Uh, Nick was gonna go to a birthday party. Is going to a birthday party for a three-year-old, and he's like, "I don't want to get the kid." And I was like, "You should get him a Game Boy, like an old Game Boy." Oh yeah, hard to break and real simple games. I guess. I Game Boy might be a little too much for a three-year-old. Hey man, they're smart. They'll figure it they out. They are very <laughs> smart, but they they're touchscreen smart. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, see, they're all those trained little on buttons. That now. It'll stump a three-year-old. I, I think they'll get it. I think he'll get it. <laughs> Anyway, it sounds like uh, the verdict is still out. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. If anybody actually is going to like, I don't know if you can pre-order it yet or not. I didn't see that. But oh my gosh, if John anybody's Drake down is texting me about this story. Are you serious? He's like, John just let buy people you? have their weird black and white hipster thing, Andrea. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> well, like, mean, that's what it, it is. No that. It's saying, a niche item. No one's saying like, oh, hey, don't buy this. No, listen. It's just it, exactly. if you buy it, you're a dum-dum. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. If you buy it, you're a dum dum. The final word on play day before it's even out from Kevin Coelho. Here. Um, I just want to make a note to people that you can buy a PlayStation Slim on eBay for 180 bucks, just thirty dollars more. You can't put that in your the back play pocket, Andrea. And I'll tell you what else you can't do <laughs> just, with a PlayStation Slim is just, crank it. <laughs> true i guess if you really want to crank it the play date is for you you know what they need is like a really good like commercial around that crank like i was thinking about 
There was this old uh, construction commercial. It's like a 90s commercial. It was like, cranking out the big balls, cranking out the big balls. It was like a whole song around cranking. Anyway, I've said cranking enough on this story. Okay. Let's move it to something that is a lot more familiar to Andrea and I. Division 2's Raid. We tried it last Friday. It came out last Thursday. It's now been a full week. And uh, it was very difficult, especially for console players. Everybody on Reddit blowing up. We heard from, you know, one of the, uh, I think it was Johan from Ubisoft commented on Reddit. You know, we're open to changes. So we got our hopes up. State of the Game, which is their weekly show, released yesterday. And um, on it, Chris Gansler, who's the community developer, commented on this much-discussed raid difficulty and the lack of parity on console, admitting there is one. And here's what he had to say. We know the raid is harder on console but we are happy with where we are at. We have seen multiple people <laughs> Tell clear it, and I've, I've cut out a few in-between comments, but this was basically it. We've seen multiple people clear it. We are always open to changes. If the community is giving us feedback on something that is not how they like it, we're not afraid to do changes. At the moment, though, for the raid specifically, we don't have any balance changes right now. How are you feeling about that, Andrea? I'm mad about it, friend. You mad? That's yeah. not what's good. That's what's what's mad. <laughs> Listen, we, we you and I have talked about how there are marked differences between the raid on PC and console. And we as gamers know that PC has always had more power, has always had more precision. That's nothing new. But to see it so starkly side by side and having console players being prohibited because of those differences is super frustrating. It is. What? Yeah, so I've, I moved to Destiny 2 on PC, which you know uh, quite some time ago, October of uh, twenty. 17? Is that when it came out? I guess so. Um, so I moved over there then, and actually, like, right at first, it's the frame rate, right? And Destiny has raids, which is why I'm bringing it up in addition to being a total fanboy about it. But um, when I first was playing, I was like, yeah, it's just, like, smoother, it's faster. Didn't really occur to me that it was, like, that much, you know, improved because of your input, which is precision aim with mouse and keyboard. It's not that you can't aim on controllers, but there is quite a big difference. And where I was going with this is I started to see, you know, raid completions tending to always be on PC first. There was never anything like this situation with Division where mm -hmm. it went 36 hours before anybody had beaten it on console, and it only took about five and a half hours, I believe. I mean, when you have a speed run that's 23 minutes or 24 yeah, minutes on PC, now they've got it down PC, to like 25 minutes. And the minutes. fastest speed run possible on console is like three hours? Yeah. I mean, you, you, there's clearly a difference oh, yeah. in parity there, right? Yes, and this was the last point I was going to make. One, it's just... Part of it, I just didn't believe there was that big of a difference because of my Destiny days. I'm like, well, there's some difference, but you get through it once you get a console team together that knows what they're doing. But it is much harder on console. When I was sitting back to play it, I started to realize just the way a lot of this stuff works. I have so much trouble aiming on console. Part of that is just me. But quite frankly, I just like oh, it is such a world of difference. And my last point here was just that I can't believe they balance this on the PC, apparently. That's what surprises me. Now, I don't know that they did. They never said that we played it on PC to balance it. But, like, who at the studio had been playing it on console? Do you think they spent significant time 
with that as the main platform, I feel like it must have been PC. How did they not spot this? No, I'm with you because, because the, the, the private test everything. server was obviously on PC. Uh, as far as I'm aware, they didn't do a private test server for console players. Yeah, and no, so, PTS, exactly. You know, when, you, when you're going to take data from PC players only and then you're going to potentially balance or tweak certain parts of the mechanics of your game with PC-only input data, then you're going to have a skewed experience. And it's unfortunate because you would think if they skewed it for console, PC players would then just have a natural advantage anyway because they're always going to have an input control advantage over console players regardless. And so why wouldn't you do it for the people who are going to have the most difficult time and balance it for them and then everybody else you know, that's kind of up the chain is going to benefit from that anyway. Yeah, but, you know, I was thinking about the internal development team just themselves, and, you you know, you never know how this stuff works. Sometimes you do design something that is so complex. You got to wait till you get it out in the wild as well and, and to your point, see how it goes. But the the one sort of glass half full thing I'll say is it is, I mean, I don't know if it's half full, but it's interesting. Um, The fact that Massive is so dedicated to making this such an elite Experience. I mean, eight people that know what they're doing, that have top-tier builds. By the way, it's an eight-person raid, if you didn't know. You got to get eight people together on console or PC, have them all in a chat room. And um, that alone is difficult because there's no matchmaking, which was before all this. So it's mm-hmm. such a high tier to get everyone together, but also all of them need to, for the most part, know what they're doing. And it's interesting that Massive seems very dedicated to like, look, we're, we think people are going to do this. We want it to be a big challenge. Um, so anyway... It's interesting to see where it's going. They're sticking to their guns for now. Right. So we have here later on the store, the Ubisoft community manager also said that improving build diversity, the classes and abilities required to complete the rate is a focus moving forward. Quote, it's important that we take the time to properly analyze data and take a deep look at suggestions in order to avoid making knee jerk changes that might shift the balance too far in one direction. Elsewhere. So Ubi Johan wrote, they said that increasing the viability of a healer focus role is something they specifically mentioned to developers, which is important because generally in a raid, you have a diverse group of uh, classes or Mm diverse group of loadouts to complement um, the play style of everybody and to make sure that you kind of have your bases covered with the gameplay mechanics that you're going to have to face. Yeah. And what I experienced in the Operation Dark Hours raid is that everybody had to go in with the same high DPS build with the same skills and that there was no room for diversity in order to be able to just clear the first boss. And that's yeah. like super frustrating because it kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah. And the thing that Steimer and I were talking about on this week's episode of What's Good was that um, clearly raids are taken from traditional MMOs, right? Raids have on MMOs have way more players in them. They have way more diversity and of, of skill sets across the player base within your raiding group. And more importantly, there's more ways to get the gear that you need for the raid in traditional MMOs than there is in the Division 2. Yeah. And I think this RNG looter shooter mentality doesn't necessarily lend itself to being raid ready when you lock your players to a specific build in order to be successful in the raid. And that's what I think Destiny kind of you know has been successful at with their raids is that they allow players, whether they're a warlock, a hunter, right. or a titan... With to, multiple subclasses as right, well. Right, to, to pick the subclass that, that works and 
obviously there are certain weapons that yeah, work better against, gonna do better than against other, certain bosses and things like that. But you, you can should still be have able to a, beat it with everything, right? You still can have theory. a more diverse makeup of players than you can have in the Division Two's raid. Yes, that's that's accurate. I mean, to be fair, we need to learn and see more about it. I feel like it was so hard and discouraging that yeah, they, I haven't heard enough about different builds and if people are mixing in, say, all shotgunners with you know. There's probably strategies that are still being found, which is interesting. But yeah, it, look, it's I've played it a lot of raids like you have, and it's very off-putting because it's so difficult. But the biggest part for me, again, is like trying to get eight people together that I can do this with is very challenging. I would actually really like to, but I tried to do it. I went into the Division Two Discord on the Saturday night. We talked about it on Monday, and I was up super late with just a super random group, hard to hear them, and we barely knew each other, but for hours we tried it, but... I would like to play with a team all together. And that, that alone in right. and of itself is very difficult. Well, it's tough because, Rehearsing. like I mentioned, with the way that the RNG loot drops in the Division 2, getting eight people that have enough damage against elites, weapon damage, yeah. critical hit, and critical and chance buffs. And know how to buffs, build it and the time You know what I mean? It. And know how to use the recalibration statement station. It's just... It's a lot. It's rough. Rough chuckles. Yeah. <laughs> but that is what Division 2 is, and it, it does strike me. It is not following you know the trend of other games. It, it digs into the RTS past of what Massive has always done. It is still a, I always talk about it as a spreadsheet shooter, and it very much is sticking to its guns there. Um, so, Pun one intended. big... Yes, exactly. One big... Con, that's why I said it twice. One big controversial thing here is that the PC players have an advantage. They were going to put a portrait in the White House across all consoles of this is the team that did it. So everybody's like, what? It's harder on consoles so we don't get our photo. And then they ran into the problem where they're like, all right, so they are doing it. They're going to put photos of everybody from each console that did it. Good. That's but, the right call. Yeah. So there's a little bit of an update here because um, they released that, you know, Everyone finished, or they released the official confirmation of who were the first teams to beat it. On PC, three teams beat the raid within 30 minutes of each other. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was about five hours after it launched. And uh, as I recalled, console players about 36 hours. Developers of Division 2 say they will honor each platform's teams, not just the first, to beat the new game's raid. Um, and this is, again, in terms of putting the photo in the White House of those folks. So that's nice. That is the one thing I think they responded very quickly um but they're that's that's the right different. call like the Definitely. xbox team the playstation that would have exaggerated the, the issue because there are people who worked very hard in the face of this to get it done and the fact they did and are getting recognition that's got to feel awesome i mean 36 hours <laughs> i yeah yikes yeah I mean, it's have. I mean, Destiny has gone through similar stuff with twenty. Oh, no, I watched. Two her, I watched the Last Wish. Yes, so I, I think we need to get away from raids that take up entire days and people are barely eating while they do them. You know, so. All right, on to our next story. Neo Two Alpha test is coming soon. This is from uh, Michael McWhorter over at Polygon, which rounded this up. There was a new trailer teaser that came out for this says, just as it did with the original Neo, developer Team Ninja will give select PlayStation 4 owners early access to Neo 2 as part of a closed alpha test. The alpha test will run from May 24th to June 2nd. So that's Friday through an E3 time. I don't know. Maybe it's a Friday through Friday. I don't know. I almost had it. On Twitter, Team Ninja said that the closed alpha is designed to quote, help gather feedback for development. It sounds like the alpha will be limited to a small pool. To, quote, ensure the team can manage the feedback, there are no plans to expand the alpha at the moment, but please keep an eye on our channels for more in the future, said Team Ninja. Uh, in Neo2's development, 
Oh, uh, Michael was saying, if Neo 2's development is anything like the first games, there may be future opportunities to playtest the sequel before the official release, which I uh, think is still plotted for 2019 somewhere, but it doesn't have an official release date. And this was just, I think, announced last year at E3. Um, so again, Team Ninja's Neo sequel coming. Maybe you can get in that closed alpha, so keep an eye on that. Andrew, did you ever get a chance to dig into Neo? It's very, no. yeah. It's it's not, you know, it's not Ninja Gaiden exactly. It's not Sekiro Dark Souls, but it's in, it is in that world, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. So regardless, I'm still very excited for everybody that was a fan of it, that the sequel's come in, and that we'll hopefully get to see a little more gameplay out there. We get to see some in this little teaser trailer, so be sure to, to check that out if you haven't yet. Um, so Sony had like a lot of like updates internally has been talking about a lot of stuff. One thing that came out of the woodwork that I hope wasn't already covered that I pulled up was that Sony has said that the big exclusives like Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us are still planned for PS4. They wanted, you know, to add clarity to this because there has been questions like, is the, like, is Ghost a next gen game? Is it going to shift? Is it going to go away from PS4? So Colin Stevens over at IGN rounded up some of this information and I thought it was uh, be a good thing to talk about. Uh, Callan says, Sony confirmed that the biggest PlayStation 4 exclusives will still be coming to the current generation console, but they didn't specifically rule out them appearing on the next generation uh, PlayStation 5. During a Sony Investor Relations Day um, presentation, President and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment Jim Ryan spoke <clears throat> over a slide including key art for The Last of Us Part Two, Death Stranding, and Ghost of Tsushima that focused on the critical role of PS4 over the next few years. Uh, the quote uh, that he spoke over went like this. For the next three years or so, PS4 will be the engine of Sony Interactive Entertainment's engagement and probability. Probability? Do you mean profitability? Maybe not. Engagement and probability as we seek to keep the existing owner base engaged and delighted and attract new owners from different markets and different demographics, said Ryan speaking over the slide. In this, we will be massively helped by an outsider roster of new and exclusive games that have yet to be launched. Uh, the story continued. The inclusion of these games in the PS4-centric slide confirms they are still planned for the current generation. So there's a little reading between the lines here. Though these comments don't rule out the possibility of them appearing on PS5. Uh, and also, maybe they could receive some cross-generation releases. That has been an ongoing discussion as well. Um, and in a Q&A session that followed the presentation, PlayStation had suggested Sony is exploring PS5 cross-gen play with PS4 uh, via the backwards compatibility that's there. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, Andrew, did you ever think these weren't coming? What do you think of the news? I mean, this is the same news that we've had. Yeah. They've confirmed that these three titles are going to launch on PlayStation 4 for a long time. He's just reiterating that. Um, obviously, if they were going to be PS5 launch titles, of course they would launch on PS4 as well, mm -hmm. particularly since we've heard that PlayStation 5 will be backwards compatible with PS4. It doesn't make sense that they wouldn't launch on both consoles. Yeah. Um, there, yeah is, there is a strong possibility we're going to get one of these sooner than we think. Yeah. I think you know we haven't really heard much about release dates really for any of these and that I agree that you. means either they're they're ready they're going to be ready sooner than we think mm -hmm. or they're going to be out next year and will be part of the launch slate yeah, for PS5 I, I believe that um that Ghost of Tsushima is farthest out I'm just making that up but I mean, no, I mean based on what they've shown in the order too you can right. infer that 
I agree. I think we're probably going to get of all of these, I would imagine we would get Death Stranding. I know, first. it's crazy to say. Yeah. But I also was thinking that I'm like, there's a chance that it could come out this year still. There Maybe is a chance. Kojimi's been teasing a trailer and I you know, Tim and I were saying like you've gotta have a reason. If you're going to put a trailer out, maybe it's a release date coming. But It would be nice. I mean, they have a lot of availability in fall this year. They don't <laughs> ha- really have anything yeah. coming down the pipeline. So, I mean, that's of this scale. Yeah. So. And they say we don't, I don't think we know for sure with The Last of Us 2 as well. I don't think they've ruled out 2019. They, have they? haven't. But yeah. we have discussed release dates for The Last of Us Part yeah. 2. And <laughs> when don't we discuss right, that? Right. I, I still maintain that it just doesn't quite make marketing sense to release two zombie style games in the same year as first party exclusives especially with how well Days Gone has done like they it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to me for them to step on that success with another zombie title especially from their star developer right so I don't I don't know, but that yeah. doesn't mean that they won't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just it's have not a hunch a bad... that it would be better if they pushed it to spring 2020. Yeah, it's a fair perspective. I mean, you could also say, hey, zombie games are doing so well. They should get another one out the door. <laughs> like, it, I know what you're saying, though. You don't want to... The marketing, like, they spent a ton of money, we know, on Days Gone, and it seems to be uh, paying off a bit. We didn't get the... I know it got second best selling in April, right? But I don't know how well, numbers-wise, it did. Did we get numbers on Days Gone yet? Anything firm? We I don't believe we yeah. got a number. Just we just got that it was number two on yeah. MPD for April, but I haven't gotten a total sales yeah. unit. Yeah, I, I do know that they said it was one. the highest selling game for Sony Bend, mm-hmm. and it was the seventh highest PlayStation exclusive for this console. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. But I would have to pull up yesterday's news. Yeah, but anyway, uh, we don't know when these are coming. They are going to be PS4. That continues to be the narrative, and and you're right. Like it's kind of just telling us what we already know. I'm sure some of you feel that way. You're like, yeah, we know that, but it does continue to be a question: Is mm-hmm. it going to shift? Is Death Stranding going to get pushed? Is Last of Us like no? We're we're pretty confident all these will be. Ghost of Tsushima in particular, you know, I think was one of those. So. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Did we have anything in between here? Yeah, I mean, what do you think, Andrea? For, for Should we jump to the Telltale story first? Is that your yeah, I think yeah. so. Just because this, this other one no, no, is so long. I yeah. agree. Okay, let's jump over to this quick story um, that the Telltale games are being pulled from the GOG, the GOG storefront. Oh, you're sad about it, Barrett? I know, Barrett is... <laughs> good ones there. Yeah, but... They'll hopefully get them restored somewhere. But here's what's happening. Uh, Telltale Games' remaining game catalog will be delisted from the digital storefront, GOG. Uh, do they say GOG? Is that that's just me? They're also delisted from Steam as yes. of last year. Yeah. So this is I feels like the last spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be delisted from the digital storefront on Monday, May 27th, according to the announcement from uh, GOG. The delisting is the result of Telltale's, uh, Telltale Game Studio closure, closure last year. So uh, the move will see episodic games like The Wolf Among Us, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Batman the Enemy Within, Tales from the Borderlands, as well as Sam and Max and Puzzle Agent series delisted from GOG. Customers who purchase those Telltale games prior to the delisting will retain the games in their library, so you shouldn't have to worry about them disappearing or anything. 
Uh, Telltale's most popular game series, The Walking Dead, was removed from GOG and other digital retailers in November of 2018. And other Telltale games, including series based on Jurassic Park, Monkey Island, and Back to the Future, were removed around the same time. Uh, Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, has since been revived through the Epic Game Store under its new publisher, Skybound Games. Uh, we know Telltale shut down in 2018, and so that's what led to a lot of this. And then I guess there was an update from 2K or from Eurogamer that said 2K Games has confirmed to Eurogamer it is working to get Tales from the Borderlands back on sale as soon as possible. Um, and yeah, it, as they mentioned before, it was recently pulled from Steam and is going to be removed from GOG on Monday. So. A lot going on here. If you still want to get those games, they're getting. It sounds like you still have time to get them, doesn't it? Yeah, you have, till you Monday, have a couple of days, and you'll keep them in your <laughs> so. library. So now's the chance. Yeah, if you don't have it, otherwise, I guess because of all the mini contracts, is that how this is going? Somebody's got to get them into the Epic Store, or is that? I'm saying well, Epic, joke, th- half jokingly, thing, though, Steam, obviously. Is, is that not every game is going to be picked up by somebody like Skybound or 2K, right? Not all of those titles, like The Wolf Among Us, was didn't have like a co-publishing partner. Is it, so that game is kind of lost digitally for good. But there, the good news is that there are retail versions of almost all of these titles that mm-hmm. are still floating around in the world. And so we talk about like digital preservation in, right, yeah. in, a, in an era You're where digital games and, and streaming is... Yeah, there are physical retail copies of almost all of these titles huh. um, still available. That's so that's that's good to know. But yeah, if you guys are interested and um, you still want to get a copy of some of these games, get a couple days left. Yeah, what I was thinking about is I assume that, you know, these franchises are out sort of, are they still like for sale? Are people picking them up? You know, is that what's going on that they kind of got to put them on hold from storefronts until somebody says, okay, now that I own the Wolf Among Us franchise, and is that maybe what's going on? I'm not totally clear, in other words, on why they're getting pulled and not oh, just I'm, put I'm somewhere Oh, I'm sure else. it has to do with the, the liquidation of Telltale's That's assets. That's what I mean. Yeah. So these, meaning we know that Skybound picked up the Walking Dead stuff. Right. Maybe this other stuff hasn't been picked up. Although Tales from the Borderlands, it looks like 2K is obviously in control of now. So um, I think that's work to be done. In other words, these will come back eventually. Yeah. Then, I mean, it would be nice since THQ Nordic is buying everybody. It's exactly what I was wh- thinking about. THQ Nordic, up, why don't THQ you just Nordic. buy all of Telltale's IP? Yeah. They have a shit ton of IP. Just add it to that list of almost 200 IP you already have. Exactly. Why not? And that's and that's where I was going with what I said before about the Epic Game Store. I'm like, I was like, oh man, Epic's got all the money. Though. Just put them on your store and buy the franchises while you're at it if that's how it works. Epic could know. definitely afford to buy that IP for yeah, sure. but it may not really be of interest to them and for, and it I'm not trying to say this shouldn't come to Steam by the way I don't want to be painted as an epic store fanboy as listen much as if I Valve wants to buy them Valve has got the money in order to be able to afford exactly. it as well but they don't care about they games anymore they won't even They're remake like, Half-Life Dota forever and that's it yeah that story yesterday was interesting you know that um yeah, Gary uh, and I had a nice chat about it. Saber, yeah, wanted to remake Half-Life 2, uh, the folks who did World War Z. And, and Gabe I mean, was like, nah, bro, we're good. Yeah, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, like, I probably would have said the same thing. Like, look, like, I really appreciate it, but I would love to do it myself someday, and thank you, but no, we'll, we'll do it ourselves someday, you know, so. But you know that they're never going to do it. No. But at, at least they let Black Mesa happen, so. There you go. <laughs> and the index is out there, so it's it's coming eventually, right? And uh, they're working on their VR, you know, index platform right now. So mm-hmm. they they did say. Remember, it was either last year or the year before. They, I know it's like everything at Valve takes forever. They said they were working on 
games again. Remember when Gabe came out and said that? Well, Campo like, Santo is working on a game, and they just bought them. But is Valve? Is well, yeah, remains mm. to be seen, actually seen. Um, so yeah, maybe we've got some required reading from you. It is a big story. Um, this one, I it's been reported in a few places, but I pulled from GamesIndustry.biz from Brendan Sinclair. So Sony Interactive, uh, so Sean Layden was stressing. The chairman, sorry, Sony Interactive's chairman, Sean Layden, was stressing the importance of diversity in the studios and the gameplay and everything that they do at PlayStation. So this was uh, in a center stage address at the Collision Conference in Toronto uh, the other day where Sony Interactive Entertainment chairman Sean Layden delivered advice on fostering creativity from a games industry perspective to a more generalist tech startup uh, audience. Uh, what he said was the video game industry straddles creativity, innovation, entertainment, and technology in ways unlike any other industry. Our fans are boisterous, passionate, vocal, and extremely unforgiving. The lessons learned since the birth of the PlayStation back in 1994 can serve many of you well, whether you're a founder, entrepreneur, growing a startup, or starting a business through this next wave of innovation. Layden talked about Sony's task managing 13 game development studios across three continents, stressing that the company focuses on creativity and quality in its products because it's uh, no use trying to have one if you lack the other. So basically, uh, just to skip ahead a little bit here, they, uh, what he said was, we empower our development studios to constantly push the boundaries of gaming and give them opportunities to experiment and explore. We encourage them to take risks. We enable a culture that learns from our mistakes and failures. As leaders, we encourage develop, developers to act fearlessly and share new ideas. We try to be approachable, available, responsible. So again, he yeah. had a lot to say about this. He, he showed up with the example that Sucker Punch, which is a North American game developer, uh, went on to, they, they were thinking about making the next Infamous, of course, because Infamous did pretty well, and Sucker Punch wanted to do Ghost of Tsushima, set in Japan, and rooted in all that culture, and so they said they were very proud of the fact that a 100% American development team was researching and honoring, you know, that culture, and so they're really just saying we need more of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, and yeah. they also give the example of Media Molecule and how they made what yeah. Sean Layden calls a conscious effort with greater outreach to make their studio one roughly one third female, which is incredibly uncommon in the video game development space. And so it's a really mm-hmm. great article. Again, GamesIndustry.biz. Um, it's a nice write up over there from Brendan Sinclair. We reference his stories on the show all the time. Uh, it's just way too long for us to go into um, on the rest of this show. Yeah, and you could use a little time to digest it versus me just blah, blurting it out. But it's an important topic and a good one. And yeah, coming on the heels of Phil Spencer's blog the other day. Which we talked about yesterday. Which was yeah. great. So a lot of good required reading for you out there. Uh, unless any news is broke, I believe that is most of the big stories for today. And Ghost of Tsushima, Andrea, is so far away. If I wanted to know what is coming to mom and grop shops around the world, where would I look? Fran, you would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. No. I, <laughs> I, love, I love Fran's like jazzy version of the jingle. That's how I heard Greg do it once, and I've been trying do, to imitate him. I never okay. officially learned you're, it. You're a unique snowflake, yes, Fran. I, I love it. I, I try to mix it up. I See, I used to do like, well, whatever, you'll hear it on another show. Maybe tomorrow <laughs> with Snowbike Mike. All right, so what's coming out today? 
decent swath of stuff. We got Pathologic 2, Part 1 on the PC. Total War, Three Kingdoms on the PC. TT Isle of Man, Ride on the Edge is coming to Switch. Battalion 1944, Eastern Front on PC. American Fugitive and Wonder Boy Returns and Star Sky are all coming to Switch. Abstract, Ball Run, Clam Man, and Overlanders. That's four different things, by the way. Abstract, Ball Run, Clam Man, Overlanders are all coming to PC. In addition to Blood Will Be, be blah, Blood Will Be Spilled and Vampire. Sorry, Vampire and Monsters Hidden Object Games coming to PC. More PC releases beyond this as well. Dark Blood, Zombies in the City, and Swine HD Remaster will be available uh, worldwide on PC. So we've got some new dates coming in as well. Andrea, you actually just pulled a couple of these as we were going live. Do you That's want to tell true. us about DC Universe Online? Yeah, so this is the big one. Daybreak Games has announced that DC Universe Online is set to launch and the Nintendo Switch this summer. Fans will be able to experience 300 iconic DC characters on the go with handheld mode and TV mode options for the console. And yes, as you can imagine, Greg Miller is losing his goddamn mind. <laughs> if you go to his Twitter account, he is tweeting about it. I, it was so funny because I was about... Oh, already saw this. Okay. I was going to tweet it to him and I was like, there's no way he didn't see this announcement. And of course, like a bazillion people have like added him to be like, Greg, 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 did you see DCUO is coming to Switch? Yeah, I thought that it was like, I thought it was a dead game, but uh, I was mistaken. You are and sadly you, all mistaken. All you fans will be very mad for me <laughs> even saying that. Um, so that is a cool announcement. If you guys are big DCUO fans, um, you can play it on the go on your Switch. Um, coming soon to Xbox Game Pass is Dead by Daylight, Metal Gear Survive, and more. Plus, we've got Gato Roboto, the feline-led mm-hmm. adventure from developer Doinksoft, and the catnip cover team at Devolver Digital will reach the Nintendo Switch and PC later this month. I really love their press releases yeah. so much. This classically informed side-scroller blends elements of Mega Man, Blaster Master, and Metroid to pay tribute to the Internet's all-time favorite animal while also giving it a pilotable mech. Sounds awesome. It's out on May 30th. Yeah. And then we've got um, Hmm. Panache Digital Games and Private Division today announced the release date for Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey. The game will launch for Mm -hmm. PC via the Epic Game Store on August 27th, 2019, and digitally on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in December. So that's, that's quite a big gap between... PC and console launches. Usually it's the reverse. Usually we get a console launch first and then a PC optimization later on. But do you think this is another Epic Game Store exclusive? Mm, Maybe, but I don't know that that would account for the difference in the release dates. I actually think because it's a smaller studio, isn't it from an uh, ex-Assassin's Creed? Yes, Patrice. Yeah, Patrice. Mm -hmm. So I think presumably the team's a little smaller. Devin Sawa covered it for, for the Gamescast, remember? Who did? Devin Sawa. We sent Devin Sawa to Montreal to go and play Ancestors, and he talked oh, about yes. it on the Gamescast yeah. like a couple weeks ago. I wasn't here for that one, though. No, I don't think y- so. you said that one, oh, not, I think. That was, that was why. But anyway, uh, it's probably just because they were developing on PC first and a smaller development team and maybe take some time to get uh, out. I don't know. Private Division is a Take-Two interactive label. They've got money. Uh, and we've seen that Take-Two has done deals with Epic Game Store already. Look yeah. at Borderlands 3, another... Yeah. All right, you know, yeah, maybe you're right under it. the Take-Two Interactive label as well. Could be. Could be. All right. Uh, that looks like it takes care of all the big new release dates and release dates, right? Um, I believe so. Yeah, because we already went over, let's see, the Xbox Game Pass stuff. You already summed up. There was a bigger list on Major Nelson's blog. You can check that out if you want to know what's coming out over the next several weeks on Games Pass. And friends that are watching live on Twitch, we love that you guys tune in live every day. 
But don't throw me a you're wrong about a game update until we've gotten to new dates yet. Jeez. Oh, well, what was it even about? It was about DCUO. Oh, you oh, missed DCUO. we haven't even got there yet. Yeah, come on. Throw us a bone. We got your back. Shaking my fist What's going at him, on, Kevin? Kevin. Any messages for enemies that are watching? Messages for enemies that she are watching? said messages for friends. Oh, uh, I got you. You've got to be so dark, Kevin. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what do we, what do we tell these kids? Yeah? Deals of the day. Uh, this comes from Wario64. Andrea found this one as well. Everybody's golf on PS4 is $12.96 on Amazon. That's a deal. Good game for under 13 bucks. That's a good find. Check it out over there. We got to get into reader mail, which of course you can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you get the show ad free. But speaking of ads, this episode of kind of funny games daily is brought to you by Quip. It's time for some spring cleaning. Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help pave the way for a healthier mouth and mind. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. The new kids Quip has the same two minute timer and guiding pulses as their original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush just like a grown up. The new brush is the same as Quip's original version, just tweaked for size down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products the adults use in their life and they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown up routine without childish gimmicks. Kid-friendly features like a small brush head, watermelon, anti-cavity toothpaste, and rubber grip handles in colors little ones will love. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. Who's got the time, friend? That's right. You got two minutes. <laughs> Definitely do. Two that's minutes. What, that's what's wrong with us. We need to spend the time and quips here to remind us of that. Uh, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by 25,000 dental professionals and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. Y'all know Greg loves Quip. He talks about it all the time. He talks uh, and he takes it when he's traveling, probably in Florida right now. So over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too and use Quip. Quip starts at just $25 and if you go to getquip.com slash games right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That first refill pack is free at getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash games. And our next sponsor is Third Love. So Fran, Third Love is making amazing bras that Gia Jen and all the kind of honeys are wearing on a daily basis and they've got the perfect bra for you. I've got my lounge bra ready for my 11 hour flight because let me tell you Fran, no one wants underwire when you're on a plane all right. for 11 hours. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and premium feel. Find your fit with Third Love's online Fit Finder order and try it at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. Fit Finder quiz allows you to answer just a couple of questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds and over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date. It's actually pretty fun and it takes less than a minute to complete. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes including their signature half cup sizes and they help you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. I had no idea that there were so many different kinds of breasts out there. They have little graphics and everything. It's mm. very helpful. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it and Third Love will wash it 
and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit, and they're available every day via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy, and Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash games to find your perfect fitting bra now and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash games for 15% off today. Thank you very much, Andrea. And thank you to our sponsors. All right, let's get into some reader mail. Uh, Let's see. First one coming in from, let's see, Tiz. Let's go with this one. It says, what's good, Frandria? As two of Kind of Funny's most adept shooters, I'm curious to know if any of you enjoy playing with gyro motion aiming uh, when it's supported. I play a lot of Splatoon 2. Andrew's already shaking her head. I play a lot of Splatoon 2, which has fantastic motion controls. I'm so used to fine-tuning my aiming uh, using motion that playing twin stick shooters without it feels archaic. Fran, I assume this is similar to what PC players experience when comparing twin sticks to keyboard and mouse, though I'd imagine filing taxes using a regular controller would make it difficult. <laughs> PC dork burn. Uh, that, those are Tiz's words. Nice word. Yo, got me. All right. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, then uh, summates the question, do you think that gyro motion controls are not more popular in shooters due to the higher learning curve, or is it that they still carry the stigma of being childish, spawned from the gimmicky motion controls of the Wii area? Thanks, bunches. Andrea, enjoy London and your Spice Girls concert. Fran, see you tomorrow with Snowbike Mike. Stay wonderful. Thank you for keeping up with the show and knowing so much about us and my filing of taxes, which is my main use, as you know. Um, Andrew, you're shaking your head. You're not into it. No, I do agree that what they're doing with the gyroscope with AIM is something that's really intriguing, particularly I think of what Nintendo was attempting to do with motion controls with arms, Uh, taking a very traditional genre in video games, the fighting game genre, and adding this new mechanic to it that really lets you uh, fine-tune your input controls for a fighting game in a way that we really hadn't seen before. But it was so different and new, unique that a lot of players I know that tried it were having difficulty wrapping their heads around it, even though it did allow you a lot more precision once you learned the mechanics. Yeah. But I think we've spent so much time playing with dual sticks now. If you think about it over the last, really the last three console generations, we've yeah. had the, the dual sticks and we haven't really had another input method that's broken through and really surpass that. Yeah. So I appreciate what you're saying here, and you're right that it does carry a stigma of being childish because it's mostly associated with more of these Nintendo-focused titles. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that it's worse. It's just not something that I yeah, prefer. It, you also have to have the right input. In other words, like uh, if you're playing on PlayStation, just because it has gyro, you don't suddenly have two quote full sources of input. Like in other words. It'd be a little hard to like steer yourself around while, you know, moving. You could do it. I personally, I haven't played a game like that. Let's say it's a shooter and you're using Mm -hmm. the stick and moving it around. So it does tend to be on stuff like Switch and Wii and platforms like that. I think, yeah, when it's done well, like Metroid Prime, when they converted it to that, I was like really impressed. You know, they changed from the whole lock-on system. And at first I was like, oh no, you know, they're changing it. But uh, it felt great because I could like aim. And actually, when you tweak it, it feels pretty good. And you're right. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot closer to what you experience on mouse and keyboard because it's the same difference. As long as the input is fine-grained enough, uh, 
you're aiming and shooting, and you'll see this in VR games a lot, actually, where you, you know, actually, maybe that's the big comment here is that you are going to be doing this a ton in VR. <laughs> uh, it's a, yes, it's absolutely. It's assumed. It's not like a different way. It's like the only way to do it with an actual, you know, gun or reticle in your hand or whatever. So anyway, I actually dig them when they're done well. I just, you know, again, like if I'm playing PlayStation or Xbox, like I don't know how to do that unless they release like custom you know, a pointer, you know, type control for those. Otherwise, I stick to mouse and keyboard, and yes. Man, does it make a difference in games like Division 2? So, a timely question. It sure does. All right, let's move on to our next question from BJ Bernardo. It says, hi, y'all. Question about the future of E3. With time to think about it now, and a few state of, blaze, state of plays in the books... Do you guys see Sony coming back to E3 next year in 2020? With Microsoft already having something nearby, but not at E3, do you think they could leave us as early as next year? Without Sony, are you guys still excited for E3? Wait, what was that coming? Without Microsoft already having something nearby, but not at E3? I don't know what that seems. Right. So, no, Microsoft is at E3. Yeah, they're at E3. But they're just not inside the Los Angeles Convention Center. Oh, they tore their booth out. Right, I so I that. believe that there's a mixer booth mm. inside I the convention they don't have their center. Big booth anymore. Right, so because they they saying. do what they do is they utilize the the stage presentation area at the Microsoft Theater to do their hands on demos. That's what it is. At least that's they what they did last it. year. So yeah. I'm not sure what their plan is for this year if they're going to do something similar. Um, I, I thought it really worked out well and thought that it was a really nice utilization of their own branded yeah. theater. Like, why not? It's it right there. saves a lot of money as well. E3 is very expensive. I've paid for, you know, worked you know with IGN and those the, the booths and all the fees. And I always joke about dues and everything the you have sandwiches. To pay. Or it's insanely expensive because, yeah, it's union dues and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's that in addition to E3 is now becoming a question of should it be more public, which some publishers don't like that. So maybe we're getting off track here, but um, things are indeed changing. The question is, do you see Sony coming back? I mean, if you mean back inside the show floor, I think, no, that's the trend you're seeing. Yeah, Microsoft, Sony. Well, not necessarily. Think about it. If they announce either at the end of this year or early next year, dates or or launch window for PlayStation 5 mm-hmm. it would be i think there's definitely an argument to be made that if PlayStation brings the hardware the new hardware to E3 next year and or has demos of new games mm-hmm. getting not only members of the press but members of the public hands on time at mm-hmm. a show like E3 would make a ton of sense. Yeah, Obviously, I, there's people out there saying, well, why doesn't PlayStation just do their own event? And to that, I would say, because asking people to spend money to come to a PlayStation-dedicated event like PlayStation Experience is not the same draw as getting people to spend money to come to an event like E3 where they can see multiple publishers, multiple platform holders, et cetera, et cetera. It's like the difference between somebody wanting to spend money you know, to go to you know something like a PAX Prime mm-hmm. versus like a Guardian Con. Right. Right? Because they're very different shows because one is hyper-focused on a very specific type of game and then one is a much larger like cross-section of Definitely. gaming culture. Yeah, I mean, I, it, so I wouldn't disagree that it might make sense, but I would be surprised if they flip-flopped that fast. But also, yeah, why not just have your own event, you know, uh, almost like you're getting at in, in the vein of Guardian Cons or PlayStation Experience. But I just and, said, why not? I just said, why not, what? Fran? Don't do it. Which? Why not? Or have both. 
Why not both? Come to E3 and bring PlayStation experience <laughs> because back. Because it's expensive. Hooray! And like, that's, I mean, that's part of the pro- the time. They've got money. The They're fine. You have to make, They're like, making a twisted metal TV show. They right. clearly have money. <laughs> that's like the time, you know, or, you know, meaning you have to make a vertical slice of your games for that date. And like, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But anyway, I'm not disagreeing. I just think I'd be surprised if they suddenly flip-flopped. And we have seen E3 is, mm-hmm. it does seem to be going the other way. Like Nintendo got out of doing the press conference. They started doing direct. Then everybody starts doing that. Then there's more of their own events. Then EA pulls out, you know, then, you know, Sony's pulled out and Microsoft's pulled out. But arguably, Nintendo has a bigger presence now than they did when they were doing the press conference because they have the competitive tournaments. That's true. They flip the, like, what they're doing, the style. It's more of a. It is more of a community event in a lot of ways, but you also get your hands on with everything. And, yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll see. I don't personally see Sony going back there. I actually think E three is going to be in a different form next year because of the just the amount of people that's gone off the show for. That's a lot of presumably missing revenue unless they somehow mixed it up and filled those spaces. Well, they could th- just make it South Hall. Yeah, but again, like if you're E3 and you're you are making money on the show in addition to uh, all the work that goes into it, but like what like now you're down to half the show size. Like maybe though. Maybe. Maybe I, I don't down. subscribe to this this school of thought that E3 is dying you're or going away. On BJ, I'm excited hope. for E3. It's going to be great. <laughs> I've made a lot of appointments for games I can't I'm talk about that E3. I'm really excited for. Okay. It's going to be an awesome show. Andrew, give us one. Give us one, you know, just break one embargo. <laughs> No, no, I can't, yeah, Kevin. She's just I can't. gonna break it in bar. I can't because you asked nicely. I'm gonna play this unannounced Western action game, you guys. It's gonna be great. Oh my god, Red Dead Three! Hopefully, just make up whatever it is. Um, okay, I think that's probably good on questions for today. Let's do our squad up. Coming in from Demon Waffle, who actually I've uh, I've seen around chat. Good to see you in Squad Up, Demon Waffle. The username on PS4 is Demon Waffle Six, just like it sounds. Demon Waffle Six. Uh, and what David Scott here is his real name has to say is: I recently got a job at a game studio in LA. I just moved here from Arizona. Yeah, congratulations! I was talking to him about interviewing places and. Congratulations. Seems like you done did it now. Um, I just moved here from Arizona and would love to play some games with some best friends. I've been wanting to get into Dauntless, but most of my friends play at times that don't match up with mine. Now that I work later in the day, uh, later in the day shifts, I'm looking for people who play after 10 p.m. Pacific time. That's that FM3 underscore time on Twitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who play after 10 p.m. Pacific time. I'm down to play Apex, Dauntless, or any other free-to-play game. So check out Demon Waffle 6, and thank you for getting your squad up in. Remember, get yours in. Uh, You don't have to do it by day. I mean, sometimes we go back. If there's no new squad ups, we'll go back in the the Mm -hmm. list, and you can always get in that way. And Dauntless... Crossplay. You can be playing on Xbox That's or a, PS4 or Epic Game Store, and you can play with Demon Waffle Six. Outstanding point, Andrea. I expect a kind of funny guild to be created ASAP. I assume it already is. Like with I hope so. how, how the community normally is, but that's a good point. Hundred like, players per guild. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Better than Division Two. Let me get fifty. No, I'm picking on so Vision low. all show today. We love it. All right, let's check uh, into your wrong and okay. see if there's anything. So I missed this one from yesterday. I got to give a shout out to our friends at DiGiorno Pizza. What? Um, so when we were doing uh, your wrong yesterday, uh, we also were talking a lot about that THQ Nordic story. They said we will send every kind of funny Patreon, every every kind of funny patron, a free 
pizza coupon for every THQ Nordic game that sells over one million copies. Keep us honest, oh, best friends. Oh, oh, shit. You heard it here. For every game over a million? That sells over a million copies. Wow. What, if something, what if something blows up? It's like two million pizzas. I mean, well, I don't know. No, no, no. no, no, no. Think of how many patrons are on the are on the are on the pa- the Patreons for kind of funny, right? Oh, that's a good point. You're not going to have one free pizza coupon for every game Patreons. that sells over a million copies. Yeah. Because we were talking about there's just too many games because they have over. They said they have uh, around 80 games in mm-hmm. development, of which 48 of them are unannounced. Oh my god! And we're like, who's funding the development of all these titles yeah. and all that? No, I've, and so yeah. like, we're, we were like, there's no way that they're going to be big triple A's because right. it's just way too much money. Yeah. But I like I it, DiGiorno. It. Yeah, I, oh, like I love it. it. But I also, it took me a second, obviously, if it's just going to the patrons, unless you get a suddenly, you know, say they sell two million copies, so a million pizzas, they won't have to unless there's a million patrons. But it could happen. God, that would be really cool if there were a million patrons. That would be awesome. If, uh, uh, Kevin million patrons, get, we would need get a fucking raise, Kevin. Get some in the studios roasting, <laughs> we Kevin. We all would need a raise. Yeah, exactly. All right, what else did we get wrong, potentially? Um, wrong. What did we get wrong? Let's see here. Instead of notes. Let's see. This is, I mean, I'm going to bring this up because I'm going to throw you a bone here, Ignacio Rojas. So the argument that the PS5 launch titles will come out on PS4, PS4 exclusive launches like Killzone and Infamous didn't come out on the PS3. I think that that's worth pointing out. Mostly because we know that the PS4 is not backwards compatible with the PS3, but the PS5 will be backwards compatible with PS4. So I think it's a little bit of a different scenario here, but I appreciate you pointing that out. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, what else do we got here? Well, we said that already. This um, oh, we missed a new date. The nanobiologist says missed new date. Rooster Teeth games, of course, you know, kind of funny is partnered with the Rooster Teeth Let's Play Network, mm-hmm. and so this is extra bad that we missed this one. Announced a vicious <laughs> circle. Vicious circle pits four mercs competing for loot against a terrifying monster who wants to kill them. Who will win? Coming this year for PC. You can check out official RT Games on Twitter if you would like to see more about that game. Thank you, Nanobiologist. Good catch. Um, a release date reminder from yesterday from Spencer. The house in Fata Morgana finally comes to PS4 and Vita next week, May 31st, thanks to Limited Run Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and that looks like everything, doesn't it? Yeah, I do like Spencer's note here that says in regards to why THQ doesn't just buy all the old Telltale games. This is due to Telltale's IP agreements. That's a good point for some of their titles. When negotiating IP rights for their video games with things like The Walking Dead, Wolf, or Borderlands, they only obtain IP rights to develop and publish that one game. So this couldn't just be bought from a Telltale liquidation because the rights would still need to be negotiated with the current IP holders and is sure to be a costly venture. Um Yes and no. The way that those agreements work isn't is a little bit more complicated for me to explain, like on the show right now. But that is a very good point. Mm-hmm. Still, would like to see somebody do it. Yeah, I mean, either way, at the end of the day, you got to go negotiate all of this stuff and just get yeah. it done. So sometimes that yeah gets locked up for years. We shall see. And the nanobiologists confirmed. Maybe this is a confirmation that per the E3 2019 floor plans, there is no mixer booth on the show floor this year. Yeah, oh, I saw that. I wonder where it's going to be. I wonder if it would be inside like, the Microsoft Theater. Yeah, maybe they're just doing as much as they can over there, which, again, makes, makes a sense. Lot of, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. All right, that's all the big news that we have for you today. Uh, tomorrow's show is going to be me and Snowbike Mike. Yeah. Unless he cancels again. I feel like I was supposed to be on a show with him once. <gasps> no, that wasn't, wasn't his here. fault. He got stuck no, in the mountains because yeah, of snow, it was when he was, right? I think, 
I, he I should have gotten here I, earlier. Was he gonna? Yeah, he was gonna come to the meetup in San Francisco. I missed him so much. And do much. the show, I think. But he'll be here tomorrow, as far as I know. We love you, Snowbike Mike. You Can't should make him host it. the show. Just throw him. I'd in the be fire. more than oh, he's happy. Good. He, Can he he's real good. Much Can he write the whole thing and do I all that too? I want to hear his jingle. I'm sure that he. I'm sure oh that my he gosh, I, I would love you if you're watching now, Snowbike Mike. If you'd like to do the rundown, they normally don't do that. Do you want me to call him? So. I can call him. Right no, now. I'm not going to make them do all that stuff. So, Fran's just tired. I've been staying <laughs> up too late. Stop streaming. Yeah, no, I won't. Absolutely not. <laughs> Great segue, by the way, if you like me on the show and want to support me, a great way to do that is head over to twitch.tv slash fm3 underscore. I also have an epic store creator code, which is just Fran Mirabella, which as I understand it, works in Dauntless. You know, just like in Fortnite, there's in-store purchases in the game. So all that, it's just Fran Mirabella, just like my Twitter handle. Andrea, where can we find you? And uh, Well, you, you can find me at Andrea at? Renee on Twitter, but the thing I would love to promote is that from today through Saturday, May 25th, the What's Good Games merch store is doing 10% off everything in the mm. store with code FANFAVE. And the reason I bring this up is because we have two What's Good Games pride designs and 100% of the profits from our two pride designs are going to GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance nice. Against Defamation. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are looking for another pride shirt to add to your kind of funny pride uh, shirt that you got from us here, um, we have two different designs that come in a variety of styles, t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts. Um, that's whatsgoodgames.com slash store. Again, code FANFAVE. So F-A-N-F-A-V-E gets you 10% off of everything in the store through Saturday night. Um, and again, 100% of the proceeds from the two Pride designs go to GLAD. Awesome. That is fantastic. Thank you for making sure we all knew that. Kevin, what is uh, up next after this? Internet Explorers. With the usual cast? No. That's right, because Tim's out. Who's on it today? Do we know? I believe it is Nicholas and one... Nick! Andy. So right. it's, it's probably Nick KFAF and Andy on the internet. Dose. Yes. <laughs> KFAF for streamies is probably, yeah, it's a double dose this week probably, but Internet Explorers is up next. Be sure to check it out. Best friends, Andrea, it has been a pleasure and we'll see you next time.